This past week, as we know, you know, there was a former well-liked senator, you know, he's been in the news. Uh, people are reporting that he might be coming back to the organization. People are very excited about it. So, Chet Sellers, I have to ask you, where do you stand on Martin Havlat's uh, <laughs> PTO with the Ottawa Senators? Uh, United in red, remember Todd White, where did Eric Carlson eat last night? It doesn't matter if you ask. It's the Chet and Luke Podcast. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode... Ca- oh, sorry. Come on, uh, come on, you can do it. Oh, man. Uh, I promised Chet I wouldn't do this, but uh, it's... Uh, Be strong. Sorry. All right. Um, just just say just whatever comes to you. All right. Just... Uh, um. Okay. Uh, good day, ladies and gentlemen, and... Welcome to episode Chondra. Uh, Very proud of you. Uh, thank you. Of the Chet Sellers and Luke Peristi podcast. I'm Luke, and I'm joined as always by the man who's in talks to join the front office of the Nepean Quiznos he used to work at. It's Chet Sellers. <laughs> How you doing, man? Um, you know what? It's been a bit of an emotional summer, hasn't oh, it? Oh, I was going to say, are you having a good summer? But I think I know the answer now. <laughs> Let's face it, colors, you know, they're are just as, a little... They're, di- they're not as bright. You know, food doesn't taste as good. Yeah, exactly. Ever since uh, our friend Eric Condra departed this great city of Ottawa. Yeah, it is. It is tough, though. I mean, I know people will say, oh, that was just put on you at the beginning of the show. You being all emotional about it. Why are you still dwelling on this six weeks later? And I guess what I'd say to to anyone who says that is how have you been able to move on so quickly? Yeah. What are you hiding? I would say that anyone who's not still quite emotional and choked up about it, like probably never even loved Eric Condra to begin with. And number 22 is a tough loss. I mean, that's two Daniel Alfredsons. Yeah. I mean, but to be fair, we did get over Jakob Sulferberg, who was three. So, <laughs> <laughs> proving that we can and will move on. Exactly. Except He's... when the Ducks are playing and you're on Twitter <laughs> and you need to mention that <laughs> Jakob Silverberg, who now makes $4 million a year, by the way, had his 19th He's assistant. Making that Milan McCulloch money. Oh, my God. <laughs> Blonde baby face. All you need to him. do is be an attractive young Suite at one point and or... Senators fans will love you forever, which is why no one's dwelling on Ryan Shannon or Jesse Winchester <laughs> or any of these good Canadian boys. It's all, uh, it's all. Uh, Runeblad, Silverberg. That's why Freddie Clayson's getting a lot of heat. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I've been talking to a friend of the pod, James, about this. And uh, instead of being a good hometown Canadian boy, you know, if Mark Borowiecki was a flashy Swede, everyone would love him. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I like Clayson, but it's just sort of like... Oh, I love that guy. Isn't he just sort of the 220-volt Chris Weidman? <laughs> like, is there... Is there really a huge call to, exactly. to, to bring one up? He's over never going to fit in the lineup without a special adapter. <laughs> uh, I'm actually quite looking forward to this season to see what's going to happen with some of these prospects. You know, we've got guys like Chris Weidman, who's going to, you know, possibly take the spot of Chris Phillips' reanimated corpse. Poor, that's that's in poor taste. <laughs> How dare you, sir? I did think it was interesting that he said that he might not be ready for camp, which is kind of the that first... That is a long time to not be ready, Which by is the way. Kind of the first signal that, you know what, this might not actually happen. He might be retired. Yeah, hasn't he been, like, on the shelf since, like, last December? 
December. But you're right. Um, there are going to be a number of prospects coming up, whether it's Chris Weidman or Shane Prince, a.k.a. the new Eric Condra. You know, <laughs> Can't they, wait. <laughs> they look at Shane Prince at 650 a year and figure, okay, well, if he can do 75% of what Condra can do, then we will, we will take him instead of Condra for three years but we, I don't know why I'm now I'm the one who's dwelling on Eric Condra but the thing is I'm not so much gonna miss Eric Condra you know because as I said he can be more or less replaced for cheap by a guy like Shane Prince just as Eric Condra more or less replaced for cheap um Chris Kelly well yeah maybe parts of Chris Kelly mm-hmm. like he's not a center but certainly you know it was the same kind of thing it's like we'll bring up a guy from the AHL who does more or less what this guy does and when he gets too expensive we'll get rid of him for the shinier newer model right and that's the way it's supposed to work but 1.5 for Eric Condra is not a lot of money. <laughs> like, to me, it's not Eric Condra is not so much keeping Eric Condra the man as keeping Eric Condra the concept, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. where you stand on Eric Condra sort of tells me where you stand on the idea of marginal efficiency when running a <laughs> hockey team, right? Just recognizing value where it exists on the margin and, and seizing it, right? And that's what Eric Condra is. And that's why he went to the team that just, you know, won, yeah, won the, cup. the Eastern Conference, right? Brian Murray had a pithy line when he was asked about it. And he was someone was like, how are you going to replace Condra's contributions to the, uh, to the team? And he was like, how are we going to replace his 21 points? I think we'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing I liked that Brian Murray said was, yeah, you know, we were willing to meet 1.5, but we were only going to do two years. We're not, we're not handing out these, these, you know, long-term contracts to sort of, you know, older guys. (laughs) Not after the last time. I waited and I waited and I waited for the word anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And it it never came. So I guess it'll be Matt Pumple and Shane Prince will be the two guys kind of, and the corpse of Colin Greening. Yes. And sort of the the 12th forward. role whatever it is over under on colin greening getting sent back down to the ahl november 17th (laughs) that's actually been pulled off the board because it's so likely there's actually no way that you can set a line low enough and still make money on, on that one um one thing i am excited for speaking of marginal forwards chris neal contract year oh man that guy's uh, gonna be he's gonna, he's the gonna gym. be playing with something to prove yeah Can you does, does he still have the ability to just screw up offensively at the worst time i'm, I'm calling it right now he's gonna sign for another two years <laughs> you live in a dark dark place Sellers. there's there's going to be at the trade deadline this year there's going to be a lot of toing and froing about do we trade chris neal is it time what you know is it worth getting a third round pick back for him what can he bring to some kind of Western Conference contender? Because obviously we have to trade him out of conference. Well, we can't oh, yeah. have Chris Neal coming back to haunt us. <laughs> obviously, like, can you imagine? And I mean, if Chris, we- Chris Neal in his first game back in Ottawa, like, hit from behind on, like, Eric Carlson. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually can't imagine that. But uh, no, he's got to go to the Western Conference because, you know, if we have to meet him in the Stanley Cup, so be it. But not before that. But do you remember, it wasn't, I don't, it was, maybe it was Phillips' last contract, but certainly the one before, where it was like, they're going to trade him, he doesn't want to go, they're gonna, they want him to go, they're trying to get him to waive his no trade, he doesn't want to do it. Boom, three-year extension. That was, that was back in 2011. I can't remember if it was the same for the two-year extension after that. But that's going to be Chris Neal. And then, you know, he's signed for another two years. I'm calling it right now. I know you want, you've said you want to trade, trade Chris Neal to the Western Conference. But I think that like the spiritual home of Chris Neal, especially right now, is Boston. 
I think I'm, you're right. I'm thinking about like a team that's trying to put some pieces together. Boston with Cam Neely in the front yep. office right now. Like that's the team that would look at Chris Neal and be like, "That's the guy we need to push us over the edge." You know why Boston? Because he is Sean Thornton 2.0. <laughs> Or at least one point. I think he might be the beta version of Sean Thornton, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something has happened this summer that we haven't seen for quite some time. It's been happening all over the league, but Ottawa was definitely an epicenter of activity regarding this. Arbitration. Arbitration. We went through arbitration not once, but twice. We did. Uh, the stakes were high, and by high, I mean $3.4 million or less. <laughs> I mean, you know my my view on Mike Hoffman, which is that, if anything, I think he probably over-delivered a little bit last year, especially given his age and sort of his, you know, minor league track record. Mm -hmm. And he was a candidate for trade. I feel like if you traded him, you'd be selling high on Mike Hoffman, Mm -hmm. especially because you take that flashy goal total into arbitration and somebody's going to say, yeah, he's worth three or four million dollars a year, right? Which is in the range of what he was asking for. Mm -hmm. And the Senators, as far as I know, basically just went and said, look, we all love Mike Hoffman, but he's 25. He's only done this once. He's got almost no, you know, secondary assists or something. Um, Whatever fancy stats they keep on NHL.com, which are the only ones that are allowed to be used in arbitration. And we think he's worth $1.9 million. And the arbiter said, "Eh, you know what? Yeah, (laughs) let's go with $2 million. And everybody's like, wow, that's a uh, that's a great deal for Mike Hoffman. But it's in the range. Like, I mean, he could come out. He could come out this year and and not do nearly as well. Right. And then Mm -hmm. $2 million is going to seem like over. It's going to seem like Colin Greening money. Mike Hoffman's kind of got this, you know, wayward older sibling thing going on for him after, you know, Mika Zibanejad and Mark Stone went out and just immediately signed the most reasonable deals. Mm -hmm. They were just like, just happy to be here. Want to continue my development. Whatever you're offering me seems fine. I will take that three million for three years. I will take that 2.5 million for two years. It seems great. And those contracts are going to seem like a bargain in two years. Yeah, sure. But then you have like Mike Hoffman, who's like, pay me my money. Like we're we're going to court over this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I I feel like with Hoffman, they probably said to him, "Look, you don't even need to do this for another year to prove it to us. If you can do this, like until the All Star break next year, if yeah, we'll like, just sign you. If you have 15 goals at the All Star break, we'll sign you to a three year deal then, mm-hmm. um, which is still good for you because he's an RFA again next year. It's not like he's going to walk away after this. So I, my guess is that they will probably look at doing a contract with him sometime this year." If he is, you know, performing at the level that he did last year. Is that a reasonable take? Yeah, that was that was lukewarm. That was okay. the comfortable bath of takes. Because everybody's saying, oh, Mike Hoffman is probably really pissed off that he's only getting $2 million a year now. And the Senators have screwed this up. They should have signed him to a seven-year deal. <laughs> like, you know, getting him for $2 million in arbitration is the fault of some arbiter who doesn't understand anything about <laughs> hockey. Like, it yeah, is it's possible. Like, it's lucky the Senators got, like, a complete dumbass Yeah, it is possible they went right? and made a reasonable argument about you know his history of performance and the age that he did it at and the arbiter said all right well let's give it another year and see what happens right but everybody's treating it like the senators like you ever go into a store and you see something that has obviously been mispriced and you feel like you're getting a really good deal and you buy it and yes you walk out? that's why i have uh beats by dre headphones for 19 dollars. <laughs> and so yes yeah, so you go into best buy and you're like oh the beats by dre headphones they put the wrong price tag on it's only 19 dollars and you take it to the cash and the guy is like oh um this is mispriced and you make a big show of it yeah. and you say well you still have to give it to me for 19 dollars yeah. because that's the law and he's like yeah i, I 
Yeah, I guess so. And you, you're you like a real a-hole about it and somebody gets fired. <laughs> and then you go back and you're like, you know, trying to get a deal a second time and your picture's now on the cash register. <laughs> That's what everybody thinks is going to happen with the Senators and Mike Hoffman. But I do think that they will probably look at re-signing him sometime in season if he's if he's playing it all well. Mike Hoffman, for his part, has just you know come out and been like, yeah, that was the process I was expecting. You know, I'm just happy to have this yeah, contract signed. I'm looking forward to getting back to camp and doing the best I can. I don't think anybody's burned any bridges. Yeah, like arbitration is inherently about past performance, right? It's not, I don't think they went in there and were like, Mike Hoffman kills puppies. My real issue with the Mike Hoffman arbitration is that it has now completely overshadowed the hilarity of the Alex Chason <laughs> arbitration. <laughs> like, literally, I feel like his agent just walked in, shuffled some papers and said, yeah, I have no idea what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, just basically, I believe... Actually, that's actually a terrible move by that guy's agent. You know? What that agent basically said is, I trust this independent third party to negotiate a better deal for my client yeah. than I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm a- Alex Chieson, I I'm giving that guy his walking papers. He looks a little bit like Jason Spezza and he was traded for Jason Spezza. <laughs> I think he needs Jason Spencer money. Anybody? Yeah, based, yeah. As far as I know, that was the argument. Uh, was he asking for 2.4 or something? Some, somewhere in there, yeah. And, and he, I think he got like 1.1. 1. 1. Yeah, he, he was asking for more than Mike Hoffman yeah. got. <laughs> I, think, I think the raise he got was just an inflation adjustment on his salary from last year. But you can just picture after both winning on Chason and Hoffman, Pierre Dorian just moonwalking <laughs> out of whatever forum they hold that arbitration in. I'm not really sure. How, do they do it by phone? Yeah, that guy, it, that guy was smoking a cigar made out of the $1.5 million he saved the Ottawa Senators. Like, do they just basically, like, I really have no idea. Do they do it in Ottawa or Toronto? Like, do they just agree on a location and, and you know, get some, you know. <laughs> they did it at Camp David, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I don't know if you've heard, but Pierre Dorian should enjoy his success because I understand his days as uh, his days as GM are numbered. The team has been scouting uh, future GM candidates and uh, looking to bring one in very soon. Uh, yeah, is there anyone else? Um, oh, Daniel Alfredson. Oh, right, him. Right? He'll probably come back. Love that guy. Here, yeah, you know, I was, I was always a fan. Definitely top five senators all time. Yeah, I'd put him top five. Yeah. I'd put him top five. I mean, you know, as far as captains go, I mean, you've got... Like, I mean, I've always been a Boschman guy. Yeah, Laurie Boschman first with a bullet there. You know, but uh, just because, you know, I think I think he kind of invented the job. Right? Yeah. Like, and, I mean, Alfredson kind of just sort of... It was an improvement, but it was really just an evolution of it. Right? Yeah, it wasn't, exactly. It wasn't created out of whole cloth. Mm-hmm. It was like a sequel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it was a good sequel. Mm-hmm. It was, but... Um, yeah, it was, Daniel Alfredson is like the godfather, too, of Sanders' cap. Yeah, I would right? say that. You could argue that he, in some ways he was he he definitely improved upon Lori Boschman. You can argue in some ways he was better. Um, was anybody surprised at the news that Alfredson would be potentially coming back to work in the front office in some capacity? Like, <laughs> I mean, haven't anybody they, sort of like, oh my god, that's a huge get? Haven't they been like laying the groundwork for that for I, like years? And and as the four hundred seven extension of <laughs> like front office moves. <laughs> It's a win-win, right? Because for the team, they're like, hey, see, Daniel Alfredson doesn't hate us. We brought him back. And for a guy who is probably moving back to Ottawa anyway, especially now that his house is available, if he chooses to live there again, it's like, oh, you'll just pay me to hang around the rink, which I'm probably going to do most of the time anyway. Sure. Oh, you'll pay me to go to Sweden a couple of times a year to scout. Yeah, absolutely. I'll do that. 
Like, I mean, as a as a franchise ambassador um, or as a guy who will wine and dine big money free agents, of which I suspect he's not going to have a lot of call to do. He's a good face of the franchise kind of guy, right? I think that was that was uh, some of the reports out of when Ottawa was, you know, trying to wine and dine uh, Matt O'Connor was that, you know, Alfie came down, showed him around. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. You know, in terms of face of the franchise guys... You know, like you don't see Matt Sundin coming down to like try to convince David Clarkson to sign in Toronto. Some might say that's because Matt Sundin is a mercenary who never cared. <laughs> My understanding is Matt Sundin has been um, very quietly recruiting big money free agents to uh, the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> His his one true team exactly. Like, um, look, they gave me eight million dollars for yeah, half a year. Yeah. you're gonna love it here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't see Alfredson as like the GM of the future, and I don't even. God know, no. I don't even know if that's what he wants. No, to I do. want Daniel Alfredson to be a complete figurehead. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do not want him coming in here and Trevor Lindening up the Ottawa Senators. Well, and and I mean again, like a non North American GM, like I don't think so. Yeah, who are we? The Blue Jackets? Yeah, let's see your birth certificate, <laughs> yeah. Daniel Alfredson. <laughs> what you? think you can we're not just gonna like go out there and make you the swedish yarmo kekalainen in here can i say though it doesn't matter how much money they pay daniel alfredson it will all be worth it yes in 2020 or 2021 whenever eric carlson is a free agent however much they pay daniel alfredson is not enough <laughs> if he's kind of like come on stay, oh, stay in ottawa this is some like like really that's deep feelings. No, stuff but right that here, that but... is I I pay Dan Alfredson anything he wants to come back to the team and keep Eric Carlson in the fold for the rest of his career. I love you. I love that you brought this up because like every Senators fan, at least seven percent of their brain is like focused on holy crap we only have four years of eric carlson left what's gonna like four years is a long time but like everyone's terrified about the next contract like what if that guy has like six norrises by then (laughs) we're gonna have to start a kickstarter just to like pay for his house i mean eric carlson is like being a third of a way through a case of really good (laughs) wine and already starting to worry about needing to buy another exactly uh speaking of eric carlson okay I um, love speaking about Eric. Have you been on the Instagrams lately? If you've been following Eric Carlson's Instagram, you know that that guy has been on the Greek vacation <laughs> of a lifetime. He has been everywhere in the world this summer, right? Like He has spent to... so much money in Greece, he may single-handedly save the euro. <laughs> <laughs> That guy is a one-man stimulus package. I would love for us to start referring to Eric Carlson as the bailout. (laughs) That would be fantastic. But he's been to Bali. He's been to Tokyo. He's been to um, Greece. He's been to Hawaii. He's been to... Where else? Like, he's literally been around the world. And somehow he's... He's gone back to Sweden. And somehow he's still found the time to gain weight. And, like, the good kind of weight as yeah, well? Yeah, mostly. The, I mean, you can't do your summer bulk without putting on some, some pounds, like, in the fat category, too. But, but that's why God invented training camp. He's doing okay. He's not afraid to rock the too small $500 bathing suit, which I'm <laughs> appreciative of. Anyway, looking forward to seeing what uh, Eric Carlson brings to camp. He's going to be refreshed, ready, more jacked than usual. I'm looking forward to reading, I feel like, every summer for the next 10 years we are going to read some version of an article that says, Eric Carlson feels like he's 
almost finally over the Matt Cook injury. Because <laughs> oh. didn't we read that last year? And even like the year before, after he came back in the playoffs and then he rehabbed over the offseason? Yeah. Like every every year we're going to read the article. Oh yeah, I feel like I'm almost back to where I was. Yeah, that is the like Frodo getting stabbed by a mortal blade <laughs> of injuries. Like every year on the same day, like exactly. there's a slight hitch in his step. Like, exactly. The only, the only thing that will ultimately cure Eric Carlson is when he and Gandalf sail to the Undying Lands. Sail to the Undying Lands. <laughs> and I feel like I have to cut this part out. No, no, this is amazing. Don't you dare. I the want real, this in. The real question is amazing for whom? <laughs> there's three people out there who are loving this. Yeah, there's three people who are like, uh, yeah, but when are they going to talk about the Cimmerillion stuff? So, so there is that. I just feel like, like with Eric Carlson, every year he's going to say, no, I don't have the explosiveness I did before the injury. And he's still going to go out and put up 80 points every year. Yeah, exactly. One of the things in that Citizen article about, oh, he's put on some weight and that's a good thing because he gets thrown around at the very end of it they threw some shade at Kyle Turris and they're like maybe he can teach Turris how to put on some weight and I thought I thought we were past that with Turris like I thought Turris had put some weight on at this point well that was that's that's how he got the cheesecake uh, yeah and the, right? and the fettuccine Alfredo and all the 6,000 calorie a day stuff like I thought he'd we were we used to make a lot of jokes about how skinny he was and I thought that that was kind of at an end like he had we, we, filled out a little yeah bit. we shouldn't like you thought that like body shaming Kyle Turris was very 2012 <laughs> it's well every Everybody, I mean, look, we have to body shame all these guys. Just a question of do they need to gain weight or lose weight, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. We've all been body shaming none, Bobby Ryan. None of these professional athletes have the ideal body type. Yeah, it's and like... we are going to let you know about Bobby it. Bobby Ryan is 6'2", 217, but he doesn't have a thigh gap. What's up with that? <laughs> Come on, Bobby Ryan. I could be, on, to, I could be on TSN 1200. <laughs> Body shaming an adult man. There's <laughs> good money in that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So we did put a call out on Twitter for uh, a couple questions because, as always, we do need to pad these things out. Question from Darren McLeod, friend of ours from Silver 7. What will Curtis Lazar eat off the ice this year? Basically, that's a, the like. I think Curtis Lazar is the sort of guy who will eat anything off the ice, to be honest. So this question... If it is, helps his team win. Yeah, the real question is, what are we throwing on the ice this year? <laughs> and so that's what that question is. That's the question behind the question. Well, there aren't any other senators I'm aware of that have a food-themed nickname. So maybe we need to develop one then. Right. So oh, so maybe that's really what this question is, which is give the senators food-themed nicknames, then decide what to throw in response to those nicknames when they do good things, and then tell Curtis Lazar to eat it. I like the idea of throwing weed brownies on the ice after Mark Stone scores. Okay. I think that... Okay. Well, his nickname is Stoner, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So Curtis Lazar would eat the weed brownies. Yes, for sure. Right. Kyle Turris has the... I'm not sure if he's still got the cheesecake thing going on. Right, you'd throw cheesecake for Kyle Turris. Yeah. I mean, I'd say for Chris Phillips, you'd throw beer, except you wouldn't want to waste that kind of money at the Canadian Tire Center. Of course not. Not not at Chris Phillips either. Like, that guy's got more beer than he knows what to do with. Like, he doesn't doesn't need your Molson Canadian you paid $10 for. And throwing a beer is generally considered to be an act of protest, Mm -hmm. right? That you're, You're really trying to make a statement. Yeah. You know, because you've spent $12 on this beer and now you're so upset that you're wasting it. It's the level below literally throwing money. Right. <laughs> Jared Cowan, maybe you could have some kind of beef related. Uh, you could just throw Why do it. you say beef? Well, because he's... Um, is, it, is it a cow? Is yeah, that, a cow. Is it, oh, okay, there right? we go. I thought it was because we had a beef with him, but... Oh, no, no. But you would, I mean, in honor of Jared Cowan, you would throw some kind of, like, hunk of raw brisket. Something very... Very tough and leathery. And <laughs> not particularly pleasant until you spend a lot of time with it, really working on it. But then Curtis Lazar would eat all that stuff. He would. Right? That's right. If it helps the team win. Curtis Lazar has... He apparently has moved out of the Phillips. He's bought a house somewhere. Does he have a roommate? Uh, good question. 
I would wonder if he's moving into Zabanajet's house. Like, yeah, Zabanajet's like, going to buy a house him and Mark right? Stone. Maybe like a Lazar and Stone. That would be a good. That would be a good combo. Because a year with Phillips, and then Lazar moves in with Stone, and then Lazar is kind of like the mature one, mm-hmm. right? He's the he's the den father. Do you think Mark Stone's like you know I did better in the World Juniors than you did, but Lazar's like yeah this gold medal though. Like, is that a, <laughs> do they compare uh, World Junior experiences? I feel like they? I feel like hers are just relentlessly positive. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't you know even Mark Stone. That's right. He's going up. He's like yo Mark. I know you haven't seen one of these before. Would you like to hold the gold medal? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm she would turn the other cheek for any any shade from Mark Stone. I'm yes, sure. that's true. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Curtis Lazar is eating weed brownies off the ice at in, the in honor of Mark Stone. Yeah. Okay. Is anybody more positive and upbeat than a stoned Curtis Lazar? <laughs> that guy just loves like, everyone. Like you take that guy and then you mellow him out, and what's that like? Like that's got to be pretty relaxing, right? Yeah. Like the stoned Curtis Lazar has to be just like listening to exactly he doesn't warm running water. He doesn't even play Dark Star of the Moon with uh, Wizard of Oz. He just watches the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> he doesn't even need the Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> Andrew Campbell wants to know when the company moves to half height plastic cubicles, where do I hang my sense calendar? That's a very sad story. Yeah, you mentioned it. You said something to that effect. That like, is, there's a lot going on here. That's like, like the for sale baby shoes never used of mailbag questions. Right? Yeah, what's the... We don't even... Yeah. Like, you can put your calendar wherever you want. Like, what's the yeah. story behind the is story Is there... Can, can we switch him to a senator's desk calendar? Yeah, that's right. Is there a senator's desk? There probably is, right? Like, they probably just make all that crap. Get a senator's desk Are there calendar. enough all-time senators to fill out a desk calendar? Maybe like, by the has... time you're in October, you're just seeing uh, Magnus Arvidsson for the third time. Yeah, I right? mean, if he's anything like me, he already has a word-of-the-day desk calendar. Mm-hmm. But that must exist. There's so much crap on I was looking on NHL.com. Do you know that there are several teams that have NHL-branded fanny packs? Because I was going to buy one oh. to keep my giant phone in, of course. But they don't have one for the senators. Hmm. They have all. They have like the senators' toaster. They have like the senators' you know vape rig. But they don't have. They don't have the senators' fanny pack, which the I feel like is, which I feel like in a way is one of the most Ottawa senators things you could have. Andrew wants to know who would feature in your just not ready attack ad against the Leafs or Habs. Well, let's see who's uh, who's got the best hair. On the on the Leafs and Habs. Well, I feel like the the just not ready attack ad is basically supposed to be a dumb pandering ad attacking someone who you know, largely speaking, is probably you know not an idiot, fairly talented, that kind of thing. I feel like the Justin Trudeau of the Habs is PK Subban, right? Like if you're going to throw shade at anybody in the Habs, it's going to be PK Subban. You're going to say PK Subban, he isn't Eric Carlson, <laughs> right? Which is true. It doesn't mean he's not a good player, yeah. but you would basically target him as someone who is talented and needs to be taken down a notch relative to what you're doing, which is putting out Eric Carlson. For the Leafs, it's harder. Yeah, because they don't who, have anybody, who do they even have at this point? Right. Uh, like I mean, if the Kessel was still there, that'd be easy. Yeah, I mean, Nazem Kadri, like this is gonna be his big year, right? Like, I think I go with Mike Babcock. No, and I say Mike I Bab- like that. Mike Babcock, who looks like a lemon eating another lemon. Uh, <laughs> you're just not ready, you you know, to turn around this whale of a franchise, right? That's who I go after. I say Mike Babcock has such an ego that he thinks he can basically break the wizard's curse on the Toronto Maple Leafs for the last 50 years. Because, uh, so many people have thought the same. Right. And look at them now. Look at the hubris. Yeah. Mike Babcock, How you are just you? not ready. Uh, another question from Andrew. What are the three biggest challenges Curtis Lazar faces living on his own? 
selection of an appropriate roommate. Sure. I think we've talked about. And I think we've agreed that he should be the one mentoring Mark Stone, who's mm-hmm. older than him, but not nearly as mature. Doesn't have the hardware either. I'm interested to see how much of Aaron Phillips' home cooking Curtis Lazar has picked up. I hope he didn't, you know, waste that resource that he had available to him. Like, I, I'm, I'm imagining Curtis Lazar, I think there's, you know, a 75% chance, you know, he's going to come back from practice, you know, on an off day. And Mark Stone's going to be like, yo, what are we getting, What are we having for dinner tonight? And Curtis Lazar is going to be like, yo, I've had these slow ribs in the crock pot since this morning. <laughs> like, I planned it. Yeah, this, this uh, sauce is magnificent. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I hope that Chris Phillips didn't shelter him too much mm-hmm. from some of the harsh realities of living in the big city. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope that, you know, Curtis Lazar isn't out at the Canada Centrum one day and somebody comes up to him and says, uh, excuse me, sir, wallet inspector. And then Chris Phillips, you know, would say, oh, hang on, this man is not the wallet inspector. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm hoping I'm hoping that, you know, Curtis Lazar knows not to be taken advantage of now that he's he's on his own in a noir city out of a uh, Chandler novel. I mean, I think that Curtis Lazar in that crockpot is a match made in heaven. Like, right. he's going to be doing casseroles. He's going to be doing brisket. Like, it's all going to be The, the crockpot really is the Curtis Lazar of kitchen appliances because it involves planning ahead. Mm-hmm. It's steady but unspectacular, mm-hmm. but it's still churns out a pretty good product exactly right that yeah and you're always glad when you have it Mm -hmm. and when the whole house just smells like stew everybody's everybody's mood is brighter yeah it's like the ultimate uh it's like the ultimate winter appliance eric condra by the way is the rice cooker of appliances rice does one thing very well Ah, you're not actually sure that's where you're so wrong and i'm glad you brought this up because rice cooker (laughs) is a surprisingly versatile piece of cooking that's interesting because it's called a rice cooker did you know yes it is called a rice cooker but did you know that roger ebert before he passed (laughs) cooked and this is true cooked almost everything he ate in a rice cooker and in fact i believe he wrote i don't know if it published he wrote a rice cooker cookbook about how to make like ribs and you know all kinds of stuff in your rice cooker because it really is sort of just like a um it, it's like a version of a slow cooker oh that's, that's got to hear both sides thing it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah rice cooker is just not for rice anymore so eric condra <laughs> is the rice cooker of appliances because he you think he's only good at one relatively pedestrian unspectacular thing but but there's layers. but beneath the surface there are multitudes <laughs> Right, he's like an iceberg. Ninety percent uh, of his value, you don't see. <laughs> oh, that's my. That's the, that's great. Right. Uh, I'm glad this is episode Condra. Should we compare other senators' players to kitchen appliances? Uh, I think Eric Carlson is like a Dulux knife set. You know, no kitchen is complete without it. <laughs> that's not bad. I think Eric Carlson is a sous vide immersion circulator. <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't know what any of those words mean. Okay, uh, high tech. Teach me, Chet. Teach me. <laughs> High tech, uh, not completely understood, but those who those who know how to use them like them a lot, and he will make you a perfect steak. Jared Cowan is a bread machine. Okay, that you bought thinking that you wanted fresh bread all the time. Then you found out the bread it made wasn't great, and it takes up way too much space on the counter. Mm. Patrick Weirkosh is a toaster oven because, you know, people are just like, why wouldn't you just get this toaster? And you're like, ah, but it does toast and other stuff as well, which maybe not everyone appreciates. Toaster oven, another underappreciated appliance. Yeah. You can do more with it than a toaster, but sometimes you don't want to pop stuff under the broiler. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So 
I like the idea that Matt Plumple is a charcoal barbecue where you have to wait for a long time, but when it gets there, <laughs> yeah. you realize that, you know, that's some high quality right there. That's not bad. Or maybe, maybe the charcoal barbecue is Jared Callahan. <laughs> it just never gets there. Well, that's, and that's then the thing. All like, you sudden, need to know how to light the, you need to know how to light those and you coals. you spent too much money on the barbecue and then all of a sudden it's 930, everybody's <laughs> hungry, you're on your fourth beer and your evening is ruined because you're too drunk to eat and there's nothing ready. Yeah. That's and you're like, why didn't we account. call for pizza two seasons ago? Exactly. <laughs> Christine T, T for two underscore C, asks three questions. Okay. Sandwich or pizza? Will Cowan finally play like a top four defenseman? When will Cowan be traded? <laughs> Which I kind of feel like is weeding the witness, to be honest. Uh, from what I understand, pizza is a sandwich. No, and never. <laughs> there we go. That's why. That's why we. Uh, that's why you bring it to the podcast. Is we like, give you what you need. Because Travis right Yost would tell you that when you fold a slice of pizza, when you eat it, it becomes a sandwich. It's basically just an open-ended calzone. Yeah. So does that mean it's a sandwich when it's completely flat? Well, I mean, I kind of wanted to get into a because you know, you, I wanted to get into like a topography argument first, right? Because right? you've got a basically you've got a topography argument. You've only got the bread on one side, mm-hmm. but you can, I guess, loop it around. And if if even the potential for that exists, is it a sandwich? Yeah, exactly. Like where, like I think that in which case non Euclidean geometry has a lot to add to the uh, sandwich argument. Right. Once we start getting into like it can like is a sandwich a manifold? So anything, sort of thing but anything where bread really exists on a single plane is a sandwich potentially Mm -hmm. right there's there's sort of kinetic sandwich energy in that thing i know i'm i'm mixing uh (laughs) i know i'm mixing sort of um topography with uh um physics Physics, yeah that's fine i'm (laughs) i'm that's 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 the general relativity i never said i was smart like i went to you know i'm a proud everest college graduate this is just this is just gr it's fine yeah yeah yeah. okay okay Tom Sens wants to know what is cooler in your opinion playing Chris Neal 12 minutes a game or some kind of nuclear holocaust um, I do think actually that Cormac McCarthy is writing a novel about playing Chris Neal <laughs> for 12 minutes a game <laughs> it's called Offside the Road <laughs> anyway I know it's been uh, I know it's been six weeks and you know at the deadest part of the uh, hockey calendar but uh, you know I feel like we had a couple things to talk about we're getting back into shape exactly that, right? this was the uh, off-season skate of podcasts, right this is right? We're, we're in our summer bulk right now like Eric Carlson we've got a little bit more belly fat than we probably need we'll get down to playing weight soon enough right now this is just about going out taking our shots uh, getting in shape for, for the next season <laughs> and I uh, appreciate you all coming with us on this fine journey hope summer's treating you well and uh looking forward to seeing y'all at training camp yep we'll see you at training camp folks christy and sowers were a couple of fowlers who both still live with their moms breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on no other podcast was finer or was more of a hit with the Big diners, we never thought they'd make it past episode five. Whoa, somehow these dudes named Chet and Paris are alive. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I just probably whoa, won't make the podcast, but I saw whoa, Chris Moore fairly recently whoa. at the Canada Signature Center LCBO with his wife, and they oh, were yeah. filling up a... Is, is that the one just off Terry Fox? Yeah. Okay. Next to the farm boy. And they were filling yeah. up a shopping cart with easily $1,000 worth of booze. Like, they were they were, de- they were having a party. Like, it was just tons of wine. And he was going for... He was going for all pretty much bottom-shelf Chianti. So, <laughs> I don't know. But lots of gin, lots of vodka. And he was looking for... They're in the beer section. He was looking for some kind of... Um, 
some kind of coolers or whatever that they didn't have. Right, some Palm Bay or something. Yeah, I, I think it was. It was like Palm Bay, right? <laughs> and they, he sent the guy, you know, because the LCBO guy was more than happy to help out Chris Neal, uh, was like, hang on, I think we got some in the back. I'll go find it. And he comes out with, like, one of those um, flat um, cases of, like, 24 cans of Palm Bay. Mm-hmm. I think he had two, actually. He had 48. And he says, okay, it, we did have some. Uh, how many do you need? And Chris Neal salt of the earth looks at the guy carrying these two um 24 packs of palm bay he's like you know what i'll just take them both <laughs> and chris neal like triumphantly like lord of the like lord of all he surveys walking through the signature center lcbo with 48 cans of palm bay in his arms his wife behind him pushing a shopping cart full of vodka and then these old guys are just like because uh, he played for the north bay battalion yes naturally and yeah. these old guys were just like hey a north bay boy and he's like you know it <laughs> And I don't even think he paid. I think he, just, <laughs> I think he just walked out, loaded up his truck, and drove off to a life that we can only imagine. Yeah, put it on the tab, Jerry. Yep, I'll be the- back. You know I'm good for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you down at the brew house. I was just like, he's got it figured out. 